Diabolical. Vengeance. Betrayal. Bad hair. Leaning. Hi, everyone. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And we have a weekly podcast called A Date with Dateline, a recap of Dateline episodes. We talk about important issues like grainy surveillance footage, cell phone towers, Andrea Canning's white jeans, and Mankey's hankies. We delve into the details of any victim who's ever loved life or lit up a room. So find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and iTunes to make a date with Dateline. And remember, don't watch alone. A Date with Dateline is a podcast hosted by two professional amateur true crime TV experts with no formal training but evidence lockers filled with snark and uninformed opinions. People of Earth, and especially my Serp Squad, my Pancake Posse, if you can hear the sound of my voice, you have arrived at another episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope. I am your host, Brent Pope, and you're in for a journey today, my friends, because my guest is the multi-talented Todd Munson. He's a veteran stand-up comedian, so we will go inside the world of stand-up comedy in L.A. He's also a very accomplished social media strategist, so we'll talk about how to make social media work for you. And that's not all. He's an expert at mountain biking, and he has a quarantine beard that would make the Big Lebowski proud. And you can call him Todd, you can call him Munson, or you can call him El Todorino if you're not into the whole brevity thing. <laughs> all that, plus an unforgettable breakfast from Little Barn Coffeehouse. So get ready, because we got Todd Munson in the studio today on Breakfast. Pick it up! Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Breakfast. This young lady just smashed the lids on all these cakes in the bakery section. <laughs> I could go on a Hallmark card. My uh, guest today. Oh, I'm going to need to hear all about that. I didn't need any extra sausage. He adds character to my crew. <laughs> Is a goat pit a real thing? What? Welcome to Breakfast with Brent Pope. Great place to hang out and good food, too. I'm always playing blue-collar guys. Breakfast. Somebody screw through the pipe. I wouldn't jump up and down until we stabilize the hydraulics. I love a crawler. All yeah. my uncles got the gout. Jalapeno slash cheddar waffles. Who doesn't love that? It's breakfast time. Breakfast. The only show where bacon, pancakes, Hollywood. I'm your host, Brent Pope. I made you laugh, Don. You did. You got me. <laughs> I was like, I have like, waiting. I'm like... Is he gonna do? Is he gonna pull it out? I was trying to stonewall you, <laughs> Todd Munson. Welcome to the Breakfast Studio. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We met at the University of Nebraska at yep. the campus radio station. Shout out to the good old KRNU. Show some respect. It's yeah. ninety point three KRNU. Ooh. And you were my trainer. I was at the station. Uh, we were talking earlier, and I had thought that you had been at the station for like a year. I might. I might have been. Now that I'm thinking about it, but I was still. The whole college radio thing is amazing where it's one person shows you what buttons to push and then you pass that knowledge on to the next person down the line. I don't know if you if you're like I was, but I would get so I would just want to play the music that I loved. Yeah, that was you. tricky. That was always tricky. Oh, it wasn't was... tricky for me. I would always just be like, well, by request, we got <laughs> Ben Folds every week. Like, man, the Ben Folds people come out during Brent's show. Yes. But no, it because uh, classic college radio i don't know how it exists anymore but it was a lot of the like the krnu would play a lot of bands that would make it big in a year it was okay. the college radio so people didn't really it wasn't the hits that you knew but they were bands that were going to be making hits down the road and uh yeah because music directors like you know a couple of our friends like steve shea and other yeah. people like they curated all the stuff and they show up and I'm like yeah i'm gonna play what i like little velvet underground I'm gonna do this like i had my favorite songs i played too it's kind of funny because 
I the, the biggest thing I remember from working at the radio station, though, was that one night I was training someone else. Yes. And I was like, you know, so what you do when you're doing that, you throw on, it's like, oh, this track's like 20 minutes long. Let me just throw this on so I can train somebody while this 20-minute song plays. Diamond C by Sonic Youth, 19-minute oh, yeah. song. I've definitely played you that You could one. run to the Burger King in the student union, get lunch, and come back before it was over. Okay. So I played another 20-minute song. And in the middle of that song, while I was training someone, I got a call on the on the studio line, and someone was like, "Hey, you know that you're playing a song that's just repeatedly dropping f bombs, right?" <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh." No. <laughs> Luckily, you know, our uh, the studio uh, station manager Rick Alloway, yeah, the um, pa- patron saint of broadcasting, students. right? He's still there. He's wow, an amazing, amazing uh, person. He did not notice. I didn't ever get any call that bunch of after f bombs were being dropped. So I yeah, got lucky he, there. Uh, he was one of the. He was the one professor I hated to disappoint the most. Really? Yeah, because it was. I had him for classes and from being a sports director at the station and working DJ shifts. I was there all the time, yeah. and he was always really gracious. Where it's like, no, college is where you're supposed to make mistakes. But when you just go out and do something phenomenally stupid, and he calls you on it, it was like as worse as like disappointing a grandparent. Yeah. Well, we both end up in Los Angeles. Yes. After college. Uh, you're known for, I would say, your stand-up, mostly. What was your first stand-up gig? Well, I guess your first one overall, and then what was the first one out here where you were like, oh, this is a real, legit stand-up thing? Well, it would have been, I got into stand-up out here, um, originally moved out to do screenwriting, and you know what the process of that's like, where you just hold yourself up for months at a time to write something, and then you hope people actually read it. So I'm like, I'm going to get out. Just I just wanted to kind of stand-up with something I've always wanted to do, and it was sort of more an immediate satisfaction of I'm going to write something, I'm going to go on stage, get a response, see how it was. And because I'm a nerd, uh, I had to take a class. And it was so funny where it was just the weirdest dumb luck. I don't know if you remember ever getting those learning extension catalogs from Santa Monica College in the mail. Oh, sure. Or um, UCLA extension also. Yeah, these extension classes. And I'm sitting there like just browsing one, and I see stand-up comedy, and it just said H-Man. I'm like... Hmm. Yeah, I'll sign up for that. Why not? It was like six week class. Uh, Mark Mealy, who you know, sure, he was also in the class. He was in the class previous. We were the only two students out of twenty five years who ever went on to do stand up from his class. But Howard Mann was the instructor, and he was the Verizon guy of the sixties and seventies, where he was in hundreds and hundreds of commercials, bit parts, tons of TV shows and movies. Um, People would probably know him best as the in the dealership episode of Seinfeld when they're in the waiting room arguing over candy. He's the old guy in the waiting room. And he's like, not Skittles. That was one of his lines <laughs> and great. everything else. But he he taught the class and really you can't teach somebody how to be funny and how to do stand up. Like all you can do is just basically give somebody the formula for here's how you write a joke. And then it's up to you to go do it. So I took this six week class from Howard Mann and. By the time it started, there were maybe 20 people in class. And by the last week, there were three of us because people are just, you just kind of realize, like, yeah, this is not going to work out. Like, whatever. So I started my first real comedy show, was going to the comedy store to do the open mic, which in retrospect, I had no idea it was the hardest room to do comedy in America. And if you, so I kind of went in a little too hot, I'd say, yeah. of like, oh, yeah, I'll just go to the comedy store, do it. But luckily, it worked out. 
So it was it was kind of like joining the Navy SEALs without doing boot camp. You just joined them. Right. Well, so, I, my first – yeah, my first stand-up show out in Los Angeles, uh, and you've done a lot more stand-up than I have, was at that – you know, deep, dark, dank room at the comedy store also. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's that's it's, tough, man. No, it's intentionally set up to be the hardest room to do comedy in. Although, you know, after I did my show, I walked out. Uh, well, I did my show, and then uh, Eddie Griffin was trying yeah. out material that night for some new thing he had. And I ran into Dice, Dice Clay, did, stopped on the way back from the grocery store. Just to do a time? Yeah, and he just comes on his business like, uh my wife sent me to the grocery store to get milk at like two in the morning. So yeah. I, I need to do some comedy. Yeah, you know, just driving by. That's right. What, that's what people of that level, especially during the week at the comedy store, would do. He had on pajama bottoms, just didn't you know, even care. Flip flops, and he was he. I mean, some people say that he's you know not nice. I found him to be very nice. No, like, he's 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 nice once you get past the dice man persona. Yeah, I mean, look, it's got to be tough to have people. That recognize you as being funny all the time and be like, oh, dice, say something funny. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, no, that's just. That's not, but um, yeah, so I basically it was a baptism by fire yeah. uh, comment. You know, I liked it enough. I'm like, started going back next week, next week after that. And then getting to the real show, I want to say it was a good two years before, like, I went from, you know, just your open mics and like random book And that's how, so how often, when you're doing that, just for perspective, how often are you doing shows during that time to get to that two years uh, where you do like a kind of a more legit show? Five nights a week, easy. And uh, multiple, sometimes you do two, three shows a night. Mm -hmm. And uh, especially like the LA comedy scene, there's the clubs and then bars that have comedy, coffee shops that have open mics, um, restaurants will have side rooms where you just put on comedy shows. And then there's a whole circuit of suburban towns like West Covina, Pomona, everything else of like people who do stand up out there. So like during the week, you could go drive, do like a 150 mile loop of suburban L.A. Mm-hmm. and hit like three or four club sh- like bar shows yeah. a night because there's a whole other you don't realize how many people are doing stand up until yeah. you get out like, oh, wait, there's a whole scene out uh, east of town or even north of town like Ventura, you know, the Ventura comedy yeah. scene. And, uh, yeah, so it was, you know, three, four, five nights a week for two years and then got booked on my first real show at the Improv. Okay. And that was – it was sort of one of those things where it was a real, like, uh, paint the fence, wax the car kind of moment. Yeah. Where you're like, okay, I've – for two years I've done comedy in front of maybe a dozen people at most and now I'm at the Improv. It's a weekend. Place is sold out. Let's roll. And I followed Jim Norton. Uh, oh, wow. You know, and I had no idea. Like, I was just so naive. And it was every joke I told was perfected in the Comedy Store original room in front of a smattering of people. Yeah. And it went from, like, just you might get a chuckle if you're lucky to, I'm getting applause breaks right now. Is this actually yeah. happening? Like, is this real life? And you're like, it was incredible how the, that worked. Uh, yeah, I got to say, those those open mics you do where it's either your friends or if you don't have any friends there, like, if you get a couple laughs in those You're things, doing you know well. that that's pretty well because everyone's there, like, kind of studying their own material yep. and in their own heads. Uh, that's interesting little insight to the stand-up world. Um, I find it interesting that you took a class. I also took a class later on to do stand-up, and you're right. They can't teach you to be funny, but they can give you, like... I guess strategies for kind of how to live 
Yeah. Like a day-to-day, like a comedian. Yeah, like you should was, be writing every day. Yeah, every morning you um, wake up, write. And and talk about different types of comedy, different types of exactly. jokes. You can practice. I don't know if you guys got to literally practice in class. Oh, we like, had to get up in front of yeah, class. Yeah, so and then you got to work the mic a little bit. Because it's, it's nothing more awkward than... Trying to figure uh, out how to yeah, take a microphone out right. of the stand before. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, it was a wonderful experience. And then I ended up, just from that class, Howard had me come sort of be the almost like the teacher's assistant in his follow-up classes. Right. And then, uh, yeah, we became like friends until he passed away. Like we played tennis every week at his condo in Century City. Oh, cool. So it was pretty awesome. I took my class with the, I don't know, do you know Judas Shelton? Yeah, I recognize the name. Okay, yeah. So I took her class. I thought it was pretty great. Um, I I enjoyed that one a lot. So, yeah, so if you're interested in doing stand-up comedy, you don't have to just – you know, be the, I guess, the kind of purist where you're like, I'm just going to go out and just do it until I get better. I mean, there are ways I like to approach things, and this is just me, and maybe it's just you, and maybe it's you also, Yeah. in a more strategic way. Uh, I like to kind of get tips from people that have done it before instead of oh, jumping Oh, yeah, I, I had no right. idea. I, before I did, okay, let's back this up. Before I did stand-up comedy on stage of the comedy store, I'd seen live comedy mm-hmm. twice. When Bobcat wow. Goldthwait came to the university, mm-hmm. he did a show and then saw Ralphie May at the Laugh Factory just one random time when some friends went to see comedy. This is the only two times I've ever seen stand-up comedy. The, so what was your first stand-up comedy show? At the it, comedy store. It bo- was Bobcat? No. Uh, the first one I ever attended was Bobcat Goldthwait did a show at the University of Nebraska. Okay. Very cool. Bobcat is a, a buddy of my buddy Emo, Emo Phillips, yeah. <laughs> uh, one of his buddies. Yeah. Uh, so Emo is a childhood I, hero of mine. Uh, Emo's great, man. So We talk about Emo a lot on the I show. I did. Uh, I'd love to get him on the show. I don't know if it's his thing to do, but uh, a, I'll, I'll, I'll well, ask him one day. Uh, you can tell Emo that I, on a snow day in fifth grade for recess, I did some stand-up of his, and it went, it flew right over my class's Look, head. Look, as it should. You know? So I was up there. Anybody want some coleslaw? <laughs> like, he was a genius. Uh, I, he was a genius to me. You know, if you haven't seen grade. him recently, you should look up Emo Phillips' uh, old stand-up stuff. And also, he was on the show Crashing. Uh, he had a great uh, little scene on Crashing. That, that's a really good show. The Pete Holmes uh, so. stand-up comedy show. If, so, if you're interested, stand up that. Uh, I'm dying up here. I thought it was pretty good representation of kind of what happened, like in the '70s and the whole yeah. comedy store and that kind but, of stuff. Uh, Crashing is a good look at sort of the comedy scene it's definitely glossy oh yeah it definitely glosses sure. over yes a lot of stuff but mm-hmm. like the core of everything is there where you might not end up crashing at sarah silverman's house for a while but you will be staying on a buddy's couch but yeah night. they show you all the talk about all the bringer shows they talk about the you know the different uh, circuits that there are the yeah. college circuit the church yeah. circuit all those because i've done so many shows like there was one time uh what's the co- redlands university like this Where's is that? A, in uh, Redlands, Redlands, California? California. Okay. It's like 100 miles out of town. And this was the kind of thing where you just get a text from a friend, hey, can you do a show at Redlands tonight in two hours? And you're like, okay, sure. Like when you're coming up and you have no idea what you're doing. And it was in a basement of a dorm room of like the super smart honors kids. Yeah. And it was like – and it was that kind of like the cool dorm room where it's like – that like rec room where it was, you know, the carpeted – big cubes and stuff people were on like it almost looked like a set from a tv show and you're like okay i guess i'm suddenly doing stand-up for a bunch of 18 year olds let's do this and see how it goes wow well thank you that that was that's a cool little insight into like the whole stand-up thing for people that are interested in it maybe you've done it a little bit or maybe you're like i wonder what it's like because 
can sometimes seem very glamorous, but there are definitely a lot of layers that aren't glamorous leading yeah. up to, you know, it's you getting on the big of, stages. I've always kind of compared it to just, it's like being in a band by yourself. Yeah. Is just, you're in charge of everything, so. I always say it's it's the it's the greatest feeling if you have a good stand-up yeah, set. It's, but when you have a bad stand-up set, it is the worst because nobody, yeah, there is no one to blame but yourself. yourself. Uh, yeah. Maybe the audience. You can blame but, a, but a little bit, but you can't. Yeah, you gotta, really. you I mean, did it. Like, and that's where you almost have to have like, like there's sometimes where you just can't, like no matter what happens, you're bombing. You know, it's almost but, guaranteed if you blame the audience and you like outwardly blame them during your show that the next guy's going to kill. Then you're yeah, gonna look like oh, a fool. Oh, for sure. Yeah. But um, no, that's... Kind of what that's like, so yeah, it's fun. <laughs> well, Todd, you are also a social media strategist. Yes. And first of all, how do you get into something like that? Um, yeah, how did you start out doing that? Uh, I honestly, it was by accident. I didn't know what I was doing at the time was what people would be doing ten years later. But in two thousand five, this is the MySpace era. I thought I lived right down the street from the House of Pies restaurant, yeah. uh, landmark restaurant in L.A. Sure. And I'd go there at night to write. And I'm like, I'm going to make up a MySpace page. And I created a MySpace page for the House of Pies. And I started writing like weekly blogs for the perspective of House of Pies employees. And it just blew up. And it got really like, you know, and, like, this is back when businesses wouldn't even think of being on a social media network. Yeah. And so I'm like managing this surprisingly popular page for the House of Pies. Meanwhile, a friend that I met later, he created a MySpace page for Obama, which became the first ever candidate to have a MySpace page. It was actually yeah. taken over by the Obama campaign when he ran in 2008. Yeah. And so he went off sort of on another big tangent that way, which is kind of cool. But then that experience I had of curating this page for the House of Pies became my job 10 years later, which wow. is kind of wild. But um, how I got into the social media was... Uh, just from writing tweets that I was contacted by somebody on an advertising agency and like, hey, could you write some of this stuff for these other companies? And over the years, that's segued into doing a lot of social media work for entertainment properties like TV shows, movies, um, studios, like the movie studios themselves, like their yeah. social media accounts. And it's been everything from coming up with like an overall strategy to here's how we're going to promote this entire campaign to sitting on my couch live tweeting as a TV show as it's playing. Any tips, you know, for people that are either trying to to get their social media jump started or already have one and just like kind of fine tuning things you that you recommend doing or don't doing that make a big difference? That's a good question. Um, first thing I would say is when it comes to your social media, do like kind of create things and share things that you find interesting mm -hmm. and people, people out there will, you'll find people have the same interests and it's like, especially on like a medium like Twitter where people like can get jump into a conversation about stuff. Um, you know, if you just find something interesting, just share it yeah. and uh, then don't get hung up, especially if you're a content creator, don't get hung up if something doesn't take off or go viral. Right. Just make it and enjoy, you know, kind of basically make something you enjoy first and then people will eventually come along. I think it's kind of been proven that the viral thing is, it, there's a lot of luck involved it's, in that. It's a lot of dumb luck because you, you would Trying believe, to manufacture a viral video it usually doesn't work out and it's usually when you're like, this is, I find this funny. Yeah, because a lot of those viral things will start with a really good idea. Yeah. And depending on what it's for, 
there'll be so many cooks in the kitchen that by the time it's done, you're like, yeah, this isn't it. But you wouldn't believe how many times people with 100% sincerity go, oh, hey, I hear you can make things go viral. Can you do this for me? And it's like, you can kind of set something up so it'll have a really good chance, but you never know. Yeah, it's it's so. a calculated uh, And so much of it is just best. dumb luck. So um, I just say make things that make you happy first, like things you like to to create. And then definitely always be creating stuff. Yeah. Um, there's no excuse for it anymore where, like when we were in college, the equipment we worked on. Yeah. Do you remember like when they, they got the Avid? I think, oh, yeah. Like that was, this is what I love telling young people. And it kind of just shows you that, yeah, things have actually changed since we were in college. Is when Brent and I were in college, the Department of Broadcasting got its first Avid editing system. And it was a power G4 Power Mac with an 18 gigabyte hard drive <laughs> that you could digitally edit on. And it's everything on our phone. It has more. Our phones have more capability than everything we had access to in college. Right. So you can always just make something little, you know, which yeah. is what. You, well, I was talking about how now, you know, I can make a, I can, I, we can record something. And if I use like iMovie or whatever, I can literally have music behind it, fade yeah. in, fade out. And uh, do you know, some color, star wipes, do some color wipes, do yeah. some color in it. In about two minutes, I can have a uh-huh. video done. It's just so easy now. So yeah. So that's um, I've been making nature videos in our backyard when quarantine started. Yeah. And it's I'll go out, kind of feed the birds, check on the garden, see a squirrel doing something fun, make a little video. Yeah, I'm outside for thirty minutes, and I put a video out in the world, fed birds, pruned right. tomatoes, like did all these things. <laughs> but then. Um, Another social media tip, and this is coming from the side of working in social media. Um, if any of your listeners um, want to like sort of build their audience, and maybe and I kind of I kind of have a weird taste in my mouth whenever I say influencer, but yeah. for lack of a better word, if you were interested in ever becoming an influencer, have a way to be contacted on your social media profiles. And what do you mean by that? Like, by that, like email or not, um, just. Say where, like, first and foremost, share where you live. Okay. Like, your location. Because there are, there have been so many times when I've been, like, have to, like, find somebody for something. Even if it's just, like, a little brand collaboration or something where you're just scrolling through so many people that it's, like, if you have to ask, like, hey, are you located in the United States? Like, what, where are you? It, it's, it's too much time. So people are just going to skip right over you. Right. So I would say, like, for just example, Brent Pope, Los Angeles, California. Oh, cool. He lives in L.A. We can get in touch with him. Because yeah. there's so many of these, these brands when they want to do, like, collaborations with people, especially, like, food or fitness or selling yeah. your product, like, whatever hot product. It's just say where you're located and people will come to you. All right. Cool. Well, thank you for all that cool social media uh all those tips and ideas, I think it's going to be very helpful to people. And uh, yeah, oh, okay, I share one more. Sure, especially if uh, this is for people who are trying to build an audience for whatever thing they're doing, like an actor or a musician or anything. Uh, I always take time to interact with the people who comment and like your stuff. Yes, that is the most grassroots way mm-hmm. ever to build a fan base. Yeah, and it's also a good thing. Like if these people are taking the time to be like especially when you're coming up that you're like, whoa, I have a few fans. Yeah. Definitely acknowledge those people. I try and, to do that because I think it's fun and I think it's just a nice thing yeah, to it, do. Yeah, it also. shows it really – because social media has really pulled back any sort of barrier between yeah. a talent and their fans. Right. So it's accessible more than ever. And I have um, 
some friends who are big name actors and kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And people's minds get a, they just blow and they're like, oh my God, they wrote back to me on Twitter. I can't believe this. You know, and it's, it's like, it's like you can really make somebody's day. Just, I have a great example of this just from the other day. Yeah. I posted a picture of uh, one of the, my favorite TV appearances on the show, Casual, which is Michaela Watkins' show. Her and Tommy Dewey yeah. were like the, the leads on that. And I posted that picture just saying like, oh, great. Uh, that was a fun thing. And somebody, one of the people that uh, that I uh, talk to every once in a while on Instagram is like, oh, we just saw you today on Speechless. And I go, oh, that was a fun scene playing luggage golf. And then the guy from Speechless gets on and goes, hey, that was a fun day. You know, John Ross yeah. Bowie, who's a big yeah. comedian and TV actor, gets on there. So then all of a sudden, you know, this one fan is talking to both me and the guy from Speechless at the same time, and it's kind of fun. No, you people know? really like that, you know, and it doesn't take you any time. Like It, it makes the world uh, a closer and smaller place and yeah. because, you know, obviously uh, – even though some of us are on TV or we're doing stand-up, we're all just people and we're all just yeah. regular people that want to interact. And it's it's the internet is a weird place where it's some people seem unattainable sometimes. And sometimes they are, but like it's it's fun to like for everyone to kind of get in there and uh give their perspective. I yeah, think exactly. Cool. And then yeah, it just kinda just brings everybody together. Right. Before we go any further, Todd Munson, we had a delightful breakfast from Little Barn Coffee House. This is some place in your neighborhood, and this you is actually in our neighborhood, this neighborhood. is the first time I've had a guest. Since you know we're we're kind of meeting up in different places, we're not actually eating at the places anymore, just because of the you know the restrictions. Um, that you brought food to me, and we went to a park uh, where we were able to socially. Yeah, we had a little picnic. It was yeah, nice. We had a little picnic. Um, we had that. What did we describe? What we had there? We had vegan hash brown burritos, mm-hmm. and it's a breakfast burrito that um, is obviously plant based, and it was uh, hash browns, vegan cheese, uh, vegan. Sp- uh, sausage, vegan bacon, and some jalapeno peppers, and a really good green chili sauce. Yeah, the sauce was really good. So, I can say everything was really good. It all worked really well together. I could not tell that there was not real meat in yeah, it. Yeah, they have a good thing going on there. And this coffee shop, it's very hyper-local in the sense of, like, oh, it's our local coffee shop. Uh, where we where we live in L.A., we're up in the hills a little bit in a canyon, and it's a coffee shop right in the middle and so it's the kind of thing, like, in the mornings, it's a six-minute walk down there. I listen to two Van Halen songs, and I'm at the coffee shop ordering. But on weekends, it's a big draw because the food's so good. So it's the kind of thing for us locals where if we're not there by 9 a.m., it's like we're either going to wait in line a little bit longer or we'll hold out to lunch yeah. after the lunch rush dies out. But Well, <clears throat> let me mention this just as a little yes, aside. Yes. Um I think we were both pretty bummed out about the recent passing of Eddie Van Halen yes. from the band Van Halen. When you said you were listening to Van Halen, I was like, man, I've been doing that too. Yeah, Van Halen, all its iterations, I, I, I loved it. I thought they were such a – I have such fond memories of them from like uh, elementary and junior high and all the way up until adulthood. I'm really sad I never got to see them. But Eddie Van Halen, a legend. Yes. A great band. And a great band with like eight different lead singers, and like three or four of those iterations still have a lot of hits. Yeah. You know, except so, for the Gary Sharon. <laughs> except for Gary Sharon. And look, Gary Sharon yeah. is an extreme. Yeah, you know, I think which extremes more than words. If I had that song stuck in my yeah. head playing oh, baseball, I'd always get right. base hit. I was I was gonna make a more than words joke. Thanks, Todd. Sorry, you ruined my more than words joke. Yeah. <laughs> That's what well, I'm here look, for. Just no, stepping look, on your lines. No, that's okay. Look, uh, extreme. I wholehearted. 
really liked that band. That was another of their hits, Wholehearted. I still did it, Todd. Uh, anyway, Gary Sharone. Yeah. Um, anyway, R.I.P. Uh, Eddie Van Halen. What a talent, man. Could I tell one quick David sure. Ross story? Absolutely. And it brings it back to the comedy store of the Dark Times. Because uh, the uh, comedy store, when I got started doing comedy, you'd be a smattering of people would be in the crowd if you were lucky, right? It was the Monday night, a night or two before, it was Monday night, like a night or two before Christmas. I think it was, I want to say it was December 23rd. There's two people in the crowd. There's an Asian couple from San Francisco who don't speak English, sitting right in the front row. And in the back is David Lee Roth. Three people in the original room in the comedy store, two don't speak English, one's David Lee Roth. And I found that out. Right as I'm walking on stage, the MC that night was like, hey, try not to suck. That's David Lee Ross sitting back there. Yeah. I had a Van Halen joke. Oh, just, really? I, I'm just like, if there was ever a time to tell a joke about Van Halen, it was now. It was right then. And it was a joke that made fun You're of- You're saying it was right now? Right now. And it was a joke that made fun of Sammy Hagar. Oh, and wow. when I walked off stage, DLR pulled, pulled me over. And he was like, that was really good. I like that. It's oh, like, I'm man. Dave. And I'm like- You've been my hero since second Dave, grade. Prove to me you're David Lee Roth by doing a backflip right now. <laughs> yeah. Or the full splits. Yeah. yeah. Or put your leg samurai your head. sword. <laughs> but anyway, that was just, yeah, that was having David Lee Roth enjoy your comedy that's, on a Monday night before Christmas in an empty comedy store was pretty that's good. That's pretty great. Uh, getting back to our breakfast. Yes, uh, the burrito. One of Love the best, burrito. One of the better breakfast burritos I've had. What was the name of that place before it was Little Barn? Uh, Division 3. Division 3. And I love that place. They had great biscuits. And yeah. You and You'd I would come go over, there sometimes. watch a game. We'd have biscuits. Yeah. So the, the quality food they make there. Uh, we had the vegan burritos. Delicious. I'm sure they have other things. It's all mostly yeah. all vegan and now. Then, but I didn't miss the meat. Uh, I did... I also didn't miss the gut bomb that I didn't have yeah, after I ate it. Yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah, it's like it was very you just ate this, like, one pound burrito, and you could go run five miles if you had to. Right, exactly. But the, uh, yeah, Division Three closed down, but the manager of Division Three took over and reopened his little barn. Okay. So it's a really great locally owned uh, restaurant. Very so, cool. Well, yeah. thank you for going on that breakfast, Brent. Breakfast. Thank you for going <laughs> on that. Your show's called Breakfast. I know. Hey, <laughs> look, every week, if you heard this sh- show edited, every week I'm like, you think I didn't make up the name myself. Yeah. Todd Munson, thank you for going on that wonderful Breakfast with me. You're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Uh, Todd, it is now time for the segment we call Breakfast Quick Bites. Breakfast Quick Bites. Quick Bites. Quick Bites. Breakfast Quick Bites. Breakfast, the most important meal of the day. Todd, you grew up in Nebraska. If you have to pick between two Nebraska staples, are you going to go with the Runza or the Reuben sandwich? I'd go with the Runza all day. Okay. And Little Barn has a vegan Reuben. It's Do delicious. they really? Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, to get I, that. It took me a couple of weeks to work up the nerve to try it. They nailed it. Nice. All right. So. I'm going to try that one next time. A Runza, in case you guys don't know, just a little history. It's a... Uh, I th- it's. I think it's a Hungarian dish. Uh, made German. Out of, German. German. German dish. Okay. Uh, it's like a yeast... Bread pocket, dough bread pocket with beef, cabbage, sauerkraut, onions, and different seasonings. Just imagine a big beefy Twinkie. Runs is a big thing in Nebraska. There's runs of restaurants. Yeah. I get the Swiss cheese and onion, or Swiss cheese and mushroom. mushroom. That's the best That's one. That's the one I usually get. That's the best one. Uh, but and, yeah. Uh, yeah, the food was actually brought over by German immigrants. Oh, cool. 
And that's how it started. Uh, Reuben sandwich. Uh, I don't know if I had to pick between those two, Todd, because the Reuben sandwich is my favorite sandwich. It's the biggest sandwich that was created in Nebraska. Yes, it is. Uh, and that's created like a, in Omaha. That's uh, what corned beef or pastrami. Tommy. I kind of prefer the pastrami version I'm of it. Big oh, pastrami with, fan too. Yeah, Swiss cheese, sauerkraut, Russian dressing, rye bread. The Russian dressing. That's what sets it off. Yeah. Good so both dressing. of those are good, but uh, you pick Runza. I Runza can't, all day. I have a couple of Runza shirts. I can't argue that. Breakfast quick bite number two. You are a fan of action films, so if you have to pick one action flick, are you going to go with Commando or Predator? <laughs> this is like being asked to choose between children. Um, <laughs> I would probably go Commando, and but watch Wait. it. We're talking about movies, Todd. Not, We're talking not, about movies. Not, not I am whether you wear underwear. Today. Oh, you are yeah, wearing underwear. Okay. I am wearing underpants today. <laughs> um, I would go if I had to pick between one or the other. Um, I probably, and this is for like all time use. I would probably have to say Commando, but watching it under the guise that it is a secret se- secret sequel to uh, Predator. Interesting. Because if you sort of watch it right, uh, you could pretend John Matrix is actually uh, Dutch. Under a new identity after everything that went down in Mexico. Okay. And his daughter, his, his, you know, Alyssa Milano was his daughter the whole time. And All right. Now he's a retired commando after he dealt with the alien. But Pre- uh, Predator is probably the best Arnold movie, though. If you had, wow. to, if you had to pick an Arnold movie, okay. it's that. But for a historical standpoint, Commando, because it set the template for so many action movies. I don't know why. I think if I'm going to pick an Arnold movie, I'm probably going to pick uh... – Oh, I can't even think what it is. Give them the just give them the echo Hagen. Uh, 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 Total Recall. Total Recall. Yeah, I totally didn't recall the name of that movie. Todd. <laughs> yeah, that's that's. I don't even know if that one's in top five for me. I don't that's know if it is either, but I just remember it being like uh, he made me laugh the most. Like when he's standing at all those mirrors, like you think this is the real Quaid? Ha ha ha! <laughs> it is. <laughs> the uh, the genius of Predator though is what I love about it is it's the Arnold movie that becomes an Arnold movie. Okay. So if you watch it that way, it gets really exciting because he's when the movie starts, he's obviously a crew, but he's a whole crew. And by the end, it's like, oh, it's go time with Arnold. Nice. Well, Todd, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Thank you for coming in. Before we get out of here, I have to ask you for three quick recommendations from Todd Munson. Here we go. What is your guilty pleasure show or movie that you are watching? It's going to be a little obvious, uh, not obvious, but like pretty mainstream as Smokey and the Bandit. Starring Burt Reynolds, mm. Sally Field, Jerry Reed, Jackie Gleason, directed by legendary stuntman Hal Needham. Hal Needham directed also Rad, which was Rad, recently which discussed. We've mentioned a lot on this show. Yeah, though. Smoking the Bandit was the first film we directed. Hal was Burt Reynolds' longtime stuntman, and while they were making uh, Deliverance, he kept getting his Coors beer stolen out of his hotel room because Coors you couldn't get west of the Mississippi, so it was really sought after. And the housekeeper at his hotel kept stealing beers for her boyfriend. And that gave him the idea for Smoking the Bandit. Interesting. People have mentioned Coors a lot now because Johnny on uh, Cobra Kai yeah. that everyone's watching right He's a now. Big Coors fan. Coors Banquet. Yeah. Which I don't know what the difference is the regular Coors and Coors Banquet. Is that like a tiny No, the tiny bank can the banquet is just regular Coors and there's Coors Light. So it'd be like the Bud Heavy versus Bud. Light. I would think you should have like a Coors Banquet, and that could go along with like it's just to have the ultimate sad single guy meal. Coors yeah. Banquet along with a banquet pot pie. That's uh, <laughs> yeah, that's like ultimate sad single. Yeah, guy little meal. turkey pot pie chart right. on the sides. Definitely a double banquet meal. Get some tin foil uh, to make from you double sad in there. But um, no, I just it's you can never be in a bad mood watching Smoking the Bandit, 
And what I love about it, other than it's hilarious, is the fact that they made the movie with virtually no script. And it's obviously they had such a fun time making it. Todd Munson, what is the hidden gem show or movie that you love that people may not know? 100% fun with Adam Sandler. It's his uh, most recent comedy special on 100%, 100% fresh. 100% fresh. 100% fresh. 100%, yeah. fresh. 100% fun is a Matthew Sweet album. It is? Yeah, Lincoln Native, oh, Matthew, well, Matthew Sweet. That was his big smash hit album. But no, 100% fresh, Adam Sandler. It's a very relaxing comedy special, and it's super funny, not dirty. I'd give it a soft PG-13 rating Yeah, if you want to watch it with a family. And it's just a really good look into what like Adam Sandler's stand-up career could have been. Yeah. If he wouldn't have gotten sidetracked by making all those movies and being on Saturday Night Live. But uh, it's really wonderful. And the way they cut it together was great because they took clips from rehearsals all the way to like playing giant concert halls. Here's the deal, Todd. I would love to get sidetracked sorry. being on SNL we gotta go. for years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you mentioned Matthew Sweet, Lincoln native. Because yeah. if you didn't, we didn't mention him sometime during the show. We both lived in Lincoln. I would have been sick of myself. Thank you. <laughs> uh, boy, I'm just You're mentioning all these. You're nailing them today. Anyway, what is your spirit animal show or movie? Top Gun. Mm, that's easy. Top I could have guessed that one. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, I could have guessed I, that one. Uh, I thought that's what you were going to say. Uh, I'm proud to admit I've uh, seen Top Gun at least 300 times in my but who, life. Okay, so f- let's get more specific. Sorry. What character in Top Gun is your spirit animal? I actually like Goose the most. Goose, okay. Which is sad because I always, whenever I can, I make jokes about dead Goose. So <laughs> I did, did one yesterday on Twitter, that meme that was going around how it started, how it began, or how it started, how it ended, that yeah. meme. So it was a, how it started was a picture of Goose upside down taking the Polaroid and the opening of Top Gun, and how it ended was him being lifted out of the ocean like with his head oh, wow. limp oh, no. you know, from breaking his neck. Wow. Well, thank you for those recommendations. Yes. Uh, if you would like to get more breakfast stuff, such as pics of Todd Munson and I enjoying our breakfast from Little Barn Coffeehouse, go to the brand new Brent Pope website, brentpope.com. You can listen to all the breakfast episodes there. You can see clips from all my TV appearances. And finally, you demanded it, a breakfast store with a bunch of fun stuff, shirts, mugs, stickers, masks, Perfect for holiday gifts. It's right around the corner. People of Earth, I bring you the show for free. But it's not free to make the show. So help us keep this thing going by picking up something from the breakfast store. You will be glad that you did. On social media, you can hit me up on Instagram at Scoops Pope. Give me a follow. And if you have a breakfast question, please ask away. Make sure you also follow my Facebook actor page. And if you like the show, please subscribe. Leave us a review. Share it with friends. Breakfast is being enjoyed all over the United States and in over 30 countries, over six continents. And trust me, my omelet hombres, my bacon brigade, we are just getting started. Special thanks to my editor, the one and only Rosemary Brown, for all the breakfast slicing and dicing. Much appreciate. Big ups also to my studio engineer, Daniel Erickson, who just got married. Congratulations. Thank you for making me sound so good. Todd Munson, what is next for you and where can we find you on social media? Uh, what's next for me is uh, I'm going to go home and take a nap. Yeah. If we're talking immediate future. Immediately. Immediate future because the future is still unwritten uh, that way. <laughs> There's not really much happening yeah. in LA. But um, I, yeah, so that's going on. And then uh, you can find me on social media. I'm at the Munson okay. everywhere. And then, like I said, if people want to, if uh, Brentfist listeners want to catch you watching Six Pack. That's true. The movie in our backyard. Uh, yeah. Brent uh, was uh, one of the special guests, and you were actually the most popular guest 
for the Movie Fort podcast until Hollywood Mike Miranda came over. From the movie Rad. From the movie Rad wow. to watch Rad in her backyard. All right. So you're bumped down to a close second or Man. a respectable second place. I need to, I need that belt back. I need a, I need to do a return episode yeah. well, on you the you pick a movie, movie Fort. We'll find a you movie. You can come over anytime. I'm just going to pick a super popular movie so I can. Well, yeah, do that. <laughs> um, so you can find uh, that episode and more on uh, themoviefort.com. Excellent. Well, Todd. You're a good friend of mine. Thank you for coming in. A great knowledge being passed on. Very funny stuff. And uh, I look forward to more meals from Little Barn Coffee House and trying different things there because that yeah. was delicious today. Got to come over for lunch sometime. Absolutely. So good. And with that, we put another high engagement worthy episode of Breakfast with Brent Pope in the old to go bag. <laughs> <laughs>